Mac Power Users, Episode 82, Cooking Ideas. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. And so today we're going to talk about how you get all those ideas in your head out, right? Sort of, sort yeah. of. We, we've got a lot of email from listeners saying, you guys need to do a show about mind mapping. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm all for mind mapping. I think it's a, a great thing. But it kind of got me thinking, how do I use mind mapping? And I think I use it in some fairly standard and some fairly unique ways. And it's been very successful for me. Uh, so I said, let's just do a show where we explain how you put these tools to work. And it started out as a brainstorming show. Right, because I mean, you're, you're a big mind mapper. I'm a really big outliner. Yeah, well, I do both, and you're going to learn about that soon. But uh, you know, So I had originally written it down in OmniFocus, you know, brainstorming show for Mac Power Users, question mark, and then at some point it went into our show outline as brainstorming. And then when I sat down and started outlining it, I realized this really isn't a brainstorming show. I think that's kind of a loaded term, and I, I don't really like it anyway. It's it, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. But I do like the idea of cooking ideas and using some of these technologies to make other stuff you do better. I wrote an article about some of this stuff for Macworld, but this show is going to be much deeper and talking about this stuff kind of on a, on a different level. So, so we're going to call the show Cooking Ideas, and what we're going to cover is mind mapping and outlining and how they fit together. And, and not only the mechanics of how you do these things, but why you should really consider doing them. And we're going to talk about also some of the tools that you can use, not on the Mac, but also on the iPad as well, because a lot of this really fell into place for me, at least, when the iPad came out, because there's there's something very different about the tactile experience of an iPad, of being able to touch your ideas, if that makes any sense, and being able to move the little bubbles around and reorganizing things, especially in a mind mapping context. The iPad is a game changer for this stuff because the experience is different and it really lends itself to this type of planning and, and cooking. Right. Uh, so, uh, but before we get to the specific tools, let's just talk about a little bit about usage and context. I, so the, the, you know, the basic idea of a mind map is that you've got something where you grow an idea, you write a central concept and you start drawing branches out from it. Well, how do you use that stuff? Um, there's two ways I use this stuff. I use it alone and I use it with other people. Um, the, the way I use it alone is I think probably the most traditional way stuff people do this stuff is if you're going to write a paper or create a brief or do a business proposal, you'll write something in the middle of the page like business proposal or future planning. And then you'll grow branches out of that. And the first time I ever saw this done was on a whiteboard and we just had a whiteboard in the office. We had some colored markers and we would draw little circles and we'd draw ideas and we'd sit around and do that. Or I'd do it myself as I was thinking about something I was going to do. And the advantage of that was it was a lot easier than the computer tools at the time. I mean, uh, when you can just take a, a erasable marker and draw a circle and write a word in it, you can do that a lot faster than you can grab a mouse, click open a circle, label the circle, set the color for the circle. I mean, all the steps involved with that stuff uh, get in the way of the actual process of thinking about ideas. And sure. for a long time, that's why I think these tools really took off with the iPad because it, 
that that changed the ability to do this quickly became something that anyone could do. And then the digital stuff got involved. But at the beginning, at least, you know, we'd sit, we'd sit around and you'd, you'd draw the stuff on a whiteboard or even just a legal pad, a piece of paper, whatever. So you would create the stuff and you would do it alone. Uh, at least I would. So if I was going to write a brief, I'd start doing that. And I started doing it at least in the beginning, pretty close to the time I was actually going to execute the project. So if I set, aside an afternoon to write a summary judgment brief, I would sit down. The first thing I do is kind of map it out that way on a piece of paper. Um, now, fast forward. Now we've got these technologies that you're going to learn about during this show. And now you don't need a whiteboard or you don't need a piece of paper. You can do it on an iPad or a Mac. Both tools work now, although I prefer the iPad. And you don't have to start doing it an hour before you start writing. But instead, in my case, sometimes a month before you start writing. Uh, when I know I have a big project coming up, that's why I call them cooking ideas. I start outlining long before I intend to put pen to paper. And right. Because the whiteboard's not going to get erased. The piece of paper's not going to get lost. You can expand it indefinitely. You can rearrange it. I mean, it's it's so much more editable on the iPad. Yeah, and it can be in front of you anywhere at any time. So if I'm doing... You know, I'm going to not talk about the legal stuff. I'm going to talk about a Macworld article I'm working on. So I I got an assignment to write a Macworld article two weeks ago. And uh, it's going to be an article about OmniFocus and task planning in general. So I'm sitting on the plane on a trip and opened my iPad, started writing down some initial ideas for this article. And it's a mind map. And then, uh, you know, a few days later, I'm eating breakfast. And I've got some time and I'm feeling creative. So I open it up and... I see that the stuff I did on the plane was kind of a mess and I start fixing that and polishing that. And so I've been working on this now for two weeks and I probably spent five sessions in that outline or that mind map is what it is at this point. Um, eventually that stuff is going to go over to an outline. I'm going to explain how I do that later in the show. And then I'm going to look at it in a whole different way. And then eventually that stuff's going to go out into a byword file or a Scrivener project. And I'm going to write this thing. But by the time I write it, I will have thought out the architecture of this thing in so many different ways that it'll write in probably an hour. I mean, it'll be crazy how fast I can write it. And and that's what I call cooking ideas is the idea that you don't try and force this stuff in one long period, but just let it come organically over a series of sessions with this stuff. And because we've got this technology where we can carry an iPad with us, in our bag and open it at any time that really becomes possible now more than it ever was before. Now I'm curious, did you always use, even before you had these tools, did you always use the mind mapping technique? I mean, maybe even going back, you know, to the days when, when you were in school or when you were first starting out in your career, were you always a mind mapper or did you do more outlining? I'm just wondering if this is the type of thing that your personality is prone to go more one direction or another. I've always been a doodler and I draw figures and images. Um, going through school, I outlined because we didn't have these technologies. In fact, I would have killed for Omni Outliner when I was in school. Oh, but, yeah, I would have too. So in school, I would take a linear outline, but I would draw diagrams and images of relationships in the margin. And so I've always done that to a certain extent. Um, I discovered mind mapping, I don't know, about 10 years ago. And I played with it in the paper and whiteboard scenarios. I played with it on the Mac a bit, but it never really sunk in for me until I got on the iPad. So mind mapping for me has been a, a 
somewhat of a same experience, although it's much more new of a methodology for me. I've always been a very lineal thinker. I've always been a very strict outline type person. And if I had a drawing or a doodle in my outline, you know, it was a, it was a very neat appropriate figure that was, you know, stacked in a just so way, because if it was a doodle out in a, in a margin or something, you know, it would drive me crazy until it was cleaned up and put back into an appropriate form. And I think it was just, you know, something about, for lack of a better word, the messiness of a mind map or a disorganized doodle in my brain that never clicked and always kept me very strictly in the mind mapping world. But you mean outlining world? Yeah, I'm sorry, outlining world, yes. But the ability now to have these tools like the iPad and the computer where you can make them very neat and organized, I I guess maybe that's a little bit of my OCD coming out, very neat and organized and rearranging them and and spell checking them and that, that... makes a world of difference. I have a a partner in my law firm who, you know, he won't give you a phone message. He will give you a doodle on a piece of paper that might have seven digits on it that resembles a phone number. And it drives me absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, he just got an iPad recently and I said, well, let me show you this. And I think it blew his mind. Well, first of all, I I can't get this image of my head out of six year old Katie Floyd making outlines. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is probably appropriate or true. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. I don't know if it was quite that young. But second of all, you have to let go. I mean, this yeah. isn't about getting things spelled right or making everything line up perfectly. This is about just kind of channeling, what is it, the left side of your brain, I guess, the creative side of your brain to to look at these relationships and build new new connections or synapses that didn't exist before. Um, But before we get to that, I wanted to talk about the usage context. So first I talked about how I do that stuff alone. And it really has made me better at a lot of things as I've developed into this longer-term planning. And I would say that that really has – I've always used these tools, but the last five years or so, I've really perfected it into an art form. And the iPad really um, brought this – I was doing all this subconsciously, but the iPad is what really brought it to the front of my brain saying, wait a second, you know, why are you doing it this way? And if it's working, how can you do it even more effectively? And that's why I love this idea of cooking these ideas. I've got at any one time in my mind mapper of choice, which is iThoughts HD on the iPad, I've got like 10 different maps of different things in my life that I'm working through. Um, and some of them, as nutty as this sounds, I mean, some of them will be legal briefs and Macworld articles. Some of them will be a problem I'm having dealing with a person in my life. I mean, it, it could be something like that. I just, I use these things constantly to kind of get myself sorted out and it works great. And the key is really, and if you haven't tried this at home, please just try it once. And I, I'm sure you will adopt it is starting early and doing this in little tiny bites. Don't try and do it all at once. So this um, is what you do instead of talking to the bear. What bear are you talking about? Syracuse's bear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I do instead of talking to Syracuse's bear. Bear okay. or bear? Bear. Like stuffed animal bear. Oh, does he have a bear he talks to? Well, I, that's what I hear. Okay. I must have missed that one. Okay. All right. Well, either way. Um, so I, I, that's how I work through these things. Um, now, the other context I wanted to talk about is doing this stuff with other people. And I want to give you a quick war story because lawyers are are terrible at doing that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I've got a new client, well, relatively new client, and he's selling his business. So we needed to do a business purchase agreement. And we were, it was up to us to draft this agreement. So I had the client in the office and we sat down in my conference room. We had the big, you know, 50 something inch TV in the, in the room. 
got an Apple TV connected to it, so I've got my iPad connected wirelessly. And I open iThoughts HD, and we start talking about this agreement because I always feel you want the client involved at these things from the beginning so they don't get surprised at the end. And we don't talk in terms of legalese, but we just talk in terms of his concerns. You know, what are your concerns? Are your concerns that they're going to compete with you? Are your concerns that, you know, are they going to be able to pay? Uh, or are you going to get sued if they don't pay your vendors? Or, you know, there's just various problems you have when you buy and sell a business. Sure. So I built it out as an iThoughts HD mind map. And every concern he had was a different branch off this agreement. And then I, I gently suggested some in natural language, not legalese. So by the end of this two-hour meeting, we had a very uh, detailed mind map of the specific concerns and the ways we wanted to address those concerns in this agreement. And it was a very organic process. And then when we were done, I pushed a button in iThoughts HD and shipped him off a PDF version of that map. So he had it in his email box by the time he walked out of the room. And this was Friday afternoon. So he calls me Monday, and he had looked at it over the weekend and had a couple more thoughts. And then from there, I finished the mind map, and then I exported it to OPML. And I'm just giving you a taste. We're going to explain this stuff. And then from there, I went to Omni Outliner. And when I saw an Omni Outliner, I made some additional changes. And from there, I went into Pages, and I built this purchase agreement. And we sent it off. You know, we had a few negotiations with the other side. But, you know, a few weeks later, we had a signed agreement. And the client came by and said, uh, brought me tea and said, hey, you know, I want you to know that that was the best experience I've ever had in my life working in business. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, just sitting there for two hours and the way we built that diagram, so he called it a diagram, just, Mm. you know, really, uh, I felt like I was part of it. And that's just the best experience I've ever had uh, in dealing with business. And I said, well, thank you. And uh, I think that's something that you can bring into your life. So if you are, no matter what it is you do to put bread on the table or do for fun, um, collaborating with people and using these tools is something you should consider because I think it really does make a difference. So that's the uh, that's the reason why I think you should be listening to the show. So let's talk about the details and nitty gritty of getting it done. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's say that there's, there's someone out there like me who's who's fairly new to mind mapping and they don't really know how to get started. What's the basic concept of it? How do you get started? Yeah, the basic concept is that Katie Floyd would hate it because it's very messy. It's messy. You don't have to do it with crowns or anything, do you? You could. You could. <laughs> I think I have. Okay. I don't think about it. But so, you know, the idea of mind mapping is uh, visually looking at ideas and their connections and relationships with each other. And I've hinted at it earlier in the show already, but generally it starts out with a center term in the middle of a big sheet of paper or okay. a whiteboard or a computer screen. And then you just say what grows from that. You know, I guess if you're going to make a conference, let's say we're going to put on a conference, what would grow from that? Well, you need to get facilities and you'd need to get advertising. You'd need to get um, exposition hall attendees. And, you know, all these things, just general ideas would naturally grow from that. And then you start thinking about the specific things that grow from that. And, and advertising, would we want to do internet media? Would we want to do a t- television commercial? Would we want to, you know, go get space in the movie theater? I mean, where is our, you know, want to get magazine ads? So you, you start growing ideas just through this thing. And uh, the idea is giving focus to each different piece, but also because it's all in front of you that way, um, you get to see connections. You can maybe draw a connection between advertising and, you know, speakers where you can get the speakers to do some of the advertising for you. And, 
you know, all these things work together. Whereas if you do a linear outline, your eyes look at one entry at a time. That's just the way outlines work. Um, a mind map kind of just barfs it all on the, on the screen for you or on the sheet for you. And sometimes some magic happens when you do that. And I guess that's a, that's a very poor man's explanation of what mind mapping is, but really it is just getting a pencil or a, or a mouse or a finger on an iPad and just starting uh, pulling together ideas and concepts related to a central theme and seeing how they fit. And I think for me that the, the magic happens when I don't try to apply any preset mentality about what should be right and what shouldn't be. I just let stuff as it comes into my brain, I just get it on the page and, and then when it's done, you step back and look at it and you say, okay, well, what did I do there? And then you can start drawing these relationships. It's really a nice way to go about developing ideas and concepts. Okay. I don't know if I did a very good job of that. If you go on the internet and you look at mind mapping, there's probably about a million websites that explain it. But at its most basic level, it's just you know letting your mind run free on a piece of paper or something or a digital equivalent. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to talk about some of the tools that we use for mind mapping, but maybe before we do that, we should take a break and talk about our first sponsor, Byword. I'm so happy that we can finally do this ad for Byword. Yeah. Yeah. They, so they, they got three spots from us and we did two, but then, you know, the iPad app started coming together and we decided let's wait until that's out before we do this last spot. Right. And um, they were nice enough to include me in the beta and I've been using Byword on my iPad for months and I just absolutely love it. And it's an interesting thing. So it's $3. Currently, that's 50% off the regular price. So if you're going to get it, you should go get it for iOS now. And, and you should get it. Yeah. And it's for both the iPad and the iPhone. So you're getting on both devices. I love uh, it when developers do that. Yeah. It, it's got great markdown tools. So if you like to write in markdown, it's got the, the various keyboard shortcuts to get that done. Um, it's got text expander integration. You can export and print, and you can do all the things you want from a good um, iOS text editor, but it's got yeah. one more thing. And the very best feature of ByWord for iOS is how it magically syncs up with ByWord for Mac. So if you've gone out and you've purchased ByWord for Mac for $9.99 from the Mac App Store, and if you haven't yet, don't worry, you can still go get it. It's still available. ByWord for iOS has figured out iCloud syncing. Now you can use Dropbox if you prefer, but the iCloud syncing, I've got to tell you, is just magical the way they do it. So you start a document either on the Mac or on your iPad or your iPhone. It really doesn't matter, but enable the iCloud syncing feature. And as long as you have some kind of network connectivity, that document will automatically show up on all of your other devices. And it's almost line by line, character by character updated. It's really remarkable the way that they've been able to make this work. So you can go out, start something on your iPad, come back, finish it up on your Mac. I use this all the time. It has really made ByWord my default text editor because it's so seamless now to take documents back and forth. And it's just a taste of once they really figure out how this iCloud stuff is going to work in the next generation operating system. I think, I think we're really in for a treat. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week with Brett Terpstra, but I've come to use ByWord as the hot document at text editor on my whole, you know, universe of devices because the iCloud, and I don't even use Dropbox syncing on ByWord. I just use iCloud because it's very fast and I can have just a couple documents and always have the text 
absolutely up to date. I did a, a screencast on it as well. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. And one of the things that I've used on Byword for iOS is because I haven't really found a good text editor on the iPhone, or I'm sorry, on the iPhone or the iPad for my blog posts, is they've got an easy ex, uh, HTML export feature for blog posts. So you can write a blog post either in Markdown and Multi-Markdown or just in text and link it or whatever you want to do. And you can copy out the HTML and paste it either into the WordPress app or into the WordPress web interfaces, which is what I use for my blog. And it generates beautiful blog posts. So I've actually been using ByWord for iOS a little bit as my my blog editor. Now, you know, if you've been wondering about iCloud and want to know how it really is supposed to work, get yourself ByWord for the Mac and ByWord for iOS. So that's a total of 13 bucks, And you are going to have text magic. Just go try it. Yeah. And we want to thank all the folks at Byword for their hard work on all of this and for their continued support of Mac Power users. So let's talk about some of the Mac mind mapping tools. You know, how are you going to pull this stuff on your Mac? Um, traditionally, you know, mind mapping applications are heavy and expensive software. You know, you, you download the stuff and the interfaces are just full of menus and buttons and whiz bang things that are going to make you upset. And it's really, really expensive. I mean, some of the big ones are like Nova Mind and MindView. I noticed they're both in the Mac App Store now uh, for $200 and $150 for uh, Nova Mind. That's $200 for MindView. And, you know, for some people who really want to go crazy with this stuff, maybe that's the right solution for you. Um, they're very customizable. Generally, they f- they include support for Microsoft Project compatibility. So if you want to work cross platform. If you're in the enterprise, whatever that is these days, um, you may want to look into those, but what I really like, and if you're really getting into this for the first time on the Mac, I would look at an app. It's in the app store called MindNode pro, and it's just $20. And it does a really good job of, of making quick entries to, to mind maps. Have you ever played with that one? Yeah, I think I've played with MindNode Pro, and there are a couple of other ones. I think maybe there was a light version or something that I tried in the Mac App Store, too, before I switched over to that one. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I think there's a free light version. And frankly, it's hard for me to keep up with this stuff. There are a bunch of developers coming out with um, low-cost, simple mind mapping applications in the App Store. Just just search for mind map in the App Store, and you're going to see a bunch of them. So, And none of them are too expensive. So take a look at one that has an interface and and looks like something you'd enjoy working in. I think mine But but the real key is you want something that uses a standard data format so that these mind maps that you can create on one version of the software or on your iPad or iOS device is going to be compatible with the Mac version and vice versa. Yeah, and in that case you need OPML and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but OPML is the format that lets you jump back and forth between all these applications. If it doesn't have OPML, that's that is a um, that's a non-starter. But otherwise, I, and I would frankly recommend MindNode Pro if you want to just try one because the developer of MindNode Pro has been working on this app for many years, even before the Mac App Store, and it's a very polished, well-developed mind mapping application that you can get going on your Mac very quickly. It's the one I use on my Mac. And I, you know, because of stuff I've done for Mac Sparky, I've been given licenses for some of the more expensive ones, and I find the cheaper one actually does a better job for me. 
Now, what what all can you do in all of these these programs versus some some of the others? I mean, I know you can do the basic mind map, which is basically the idea of taking a centralized theme and you know doing outshoots off that. But some of these will allow you to to embed documents and embed photos and and things like that. How does that translate over to iOS versions? The in the case of MindNode Pro, there is an iOS version of MindNode, uh, so okay. you can move the file back and forth. Um, on the bigger ones, some of them also have iPad apps. I don't know specifically which ones because I'm going to be recommending uh, iThoughts HD in a minute. But you know the the whole thing about adding pictures and graphics and clip art and you know there, a lot of them have these things where you can add additional images to individual nodes and you can kind of go nuts with that stuff. And I feel like that starts to become an interruption to the whole process. I've never been a real aggressive user of that stuff, and maybe that's why I can't get behind the really expensive applications because it seems to me you spend a lot more time you know making it look junky than you do actually making a good mind map and, and frankly, I think when you start adding a bunch of pictures and clip art, it does start to look kind of junky and the idea of mind mapping is this is really something for you. Or I guess in the in the case of the example that you gave us with your client, it's really something for you and someone else to brainstorm back and forth with. This isn't production level work that you're going to, you know, give off and sell or or make as a, a you know public relations type material, right? Yeah, but some of these more expensive applications include components that could very well go there. I mean, I believe MindView has a function that allows you to turn a mind map into a timeline, which Seems kind of neat, but I'm not sure why I'd ever want to do that. And, you know, some of these applications can go further. But what we're talking about today is cooking ideas. And for cooking ideas, my Node Pro is, is just fine. Right. I mean, I, I wrote the whole outline for Mac at Work because the iPad didn't exist at that time. Um, the first outline for Mac at Work, the book, was a my Node Pro mind map. And it was just a bunch of ideas. I said, I want to write a book called Mac at Work. Well, I want to definitely want to have a chapter on on presentations. So if I'm going to have a chapter on presentations, I'm going to need to put something in there about keynote and I'm going to need to put something in there about some of my favorite third party applications that I use in presentations like timeline 3d or uh, Omnigraph sketcher. So, you know, that's how it grew. It was very organic. And by the end I had this massive uh, mind map with 24 different branches, each of which eventually became a chapter and each one had all these sub points, which became the context of the book. So all that was done in my note pro. $20 app. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you want to try this stuff on your Mac, I would go with that one. Um, the the technique of using it, there's there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, you, it's, it's pretty natural. If you hit the return key, it creates what you would call a uh, sibling entry, you know, on the same level. Um, and if you uh, hit the tab key, it creates a child entry. So, that, you know, it's, it's not hard to sit there with your keyboard and just generate these things uh, very quickly with MyNode Pro. And we should mention that the the makers of MindNode Pro do have the free, you know, free version, which is just simply called MindNode. So if you're totally new into the idea of mind mapping and you're not sure that this is something that you really want to get into, you can start off with the free version and then, you know, work your way up to the pro. Yeah, it's not that, you know, it, yeah, just, just try it. And think about it in the context that we were talking about earlier, where you can plan a project or you can help develop something with another person. Um, but I really think, and we've already said this in the show, that this stuff really comes to life on the iPad. Right. And so let's talk about some of those iPad solutions. Yeah. 
Now, this a lot of this I have found depends on you know, user interface and, and tweaking. So a lot of this is based on personal preference. I, again, you want to make sure that you use one of these that sticks with a standard format, again, OPML, so you can go back and forth between multiple devices. Yeah. Uh, so OPML is mandatory once again, and we will talk about OPML in a minute. But on the iPad, there is one mind mapping application I would recommend above all others, and that's iThoughts HD. Um, I originally started using MindNode for iOS, but it's a little cumbersome, and I think iThoughts HD just really kind of picked up their game on it. It's a single developer out of the UK. don't remember his name, but I've corresponded with him. And uh, iThoughts HD uh, is just really a fantastic application. They have two different versions, one for the iPad and one for the iPhone. It's not universal, so you're going to have to buy them separately if you want to also do this on your phone. But... Um, the thing I like about iThoughts HD is the developer sat down and thought to himself, how do I create mind maps on the iPad? How is that different? And how do I use the limitations of the iPad to get over the, the biggest hurdles to creating these? Right. I think the developer's Craig Scott, isn't it? That sounds familiar. I think his name right. is Craig. Yeah. And, and iThoughts HD is the iPad version. iThoughts is the name of the iPhone version. That's correct. And to be honest, I rarely – I bought the iPhone version. I rarely use it okay. uh, because the small screen doesn't work for me. And I've got my iPad with me enough. <laughs> so but so it, it looks great on the iPad. And, in fact, one of the, the critiques I always had with iThoughts HD was – was while the tools were really good, the actual maps themselves were kind of ugly. And I didn't... You didn't like his color scheme? No, well, he didn't really have a color scheme. He had one that was like rainbow, where it would just automatically kind of assign a gradient of colors to all the nodes that went around your mind map. And, you know, it was kind of ugly. I actually wrote him when I was doing iPad at work. I said, you know, I love your app, but boy, I wish you would do something with the colors. And he wrote back and said he was working on it. And Lo and behold, he has. Now they've got some great support on it where you can set your canvas color. In fact, I use the solarized color scheme all the time. I don't know if you're, are you familiar with the solarized color scheme, Katie? Have we? I, th- I think so, yeah. I've played I don't with know it. if we've talked about it on the show or not. Ethan Schoonover, who's the guy who developed Kinkless, which was the predecessor to OmniFocus. And I think he's a photographer by trade, but he's just kind of awesome in general. And he came up with a series of complementary colors that are great for coding or writing and he put them on the internet so people like me who aren't that good at that stuff can just go and, and borrow his colors anytime they want and so the iThoughts HD guy did as well so you've got this solarized color scheme which looks gorgeous and you've got you know different gradients of gray and green and all the various colors um, so that's in there now uh, they've got some other palettes of different colors so very easily you can make a nice looking colorful uh, mind map with iThoughts HD but that's kind of a little bit about talking about the dessert before the cake. Um, what really makes iThoughts HD great is the generation process. So on iThoughts HD, you know, one of the problems we would have is you would type a name of an, an idea in a mind map. And then if you wanted to make a child idea to that, generally on an iPad app, you'd have to lift your finger from the keyboard, go up and do something either to the note, note itself to create a separate sub idea, or you'd have to go push a button somewhere that creates a separate sub idea. And all that stuff is interference when you're sitting in a room or you're just thinking to yourself and you're trying to get as many ideas down as as quickly as you can think of them. So what Craig did was he put uh, 
some code in there where if you're creating an idea in iThoughts HD and you hit the space bar three times at the end of the word. So if I create a word and I say Mac Power Users and hit the space bar three times, it automatically creates a child entry for that. So it, it creates it and sets the cursor up in it. So right underneath that, I could put advertising. And if I wanted to make a sibling entry for advertising, I would hit the return key three times. So hit return, tap, tap, tap. And then all of a sudden there's a new entry underneath advertising or next to advertising, I guess. So that would say, you know, server. And then I hit return again, three times, tap, tap, tap. And I'd say show outline. And that would have another sibling entry. So now at this point, if you can visualize with me, you've got MPU with three children entries under it. And if I hit the space bar three times at the end of show outline, then it would uh, create another child entry for show outline. And I could start creating things underneath there. So you can see very quickly, just using the iPad keyboard, you can kind of go nuts with this stuff and you can create a bunch of entries very quickly. And I would imagine you can be even more productive using an external keyboard because you have such a much larger canvas as well. Yeah, and and the the the, the keyboard shortcut tricks still work whether you're using a, a Bluetooth keyboard or using the on-screen keyboard. Um, he also put in Siri usage on this thing. So, and this works on the phone version. I haven't tried it on the iPad version since the new iPad came out, but I would think it would work. I'll have to test that. Uh, but oh. so you can create an entry, and you could say like. And I did a post on this as well. You could say bananas, comma, grapes, comma, apples, comma, oranges. And that would create Siri will go back, uh, dissect that text. And when you put that into a field in iThoughts on the iPhone, it creates four sibling entries for each one of those things. So as quickly as you say those four words with a comma between each one of them, it's created four sibling entries. Yeah, if it's just using the dictation feature, that it, should Yeah, work. that's why I think it would work. It, I, it, it's just... It's just looking at the commas and parsing those into sibling entries. Right. So, you know, underneath iThoughts HD is an engine that's built around the idea of quickly capturing ideas. And now that it looks nice, it's quickly capturing ideas and giving you an attractive way to look at them. And then once you do that, you've got those entries. And then you can take your finger and start moving the the various pieces around and drawing lines between them and making connections. And that's the process of using iThoughts HD. It's not that difficult, really, if you spend a little time with it. I am in in iPad at work. I gave like two thousand words to this book, this uh, this app, because I think it was so great. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's really justified in terms of what it takes to learn it. It's not that difficult. You just start typing, and if you know the three space and the three return trick, you're you're in shape. Oh, there's one more. If you hit backspace three times, you can delete something. So if you see something you're not happy with, you can delete it. Um, you can drag an entry off. If you don't want a connection between something, you can tap and hold it and just drag it off, and then it becomes kind of a satellite entry of its own. And sometimes that makes sense when you're planning things. Well, because maybe you haven't decided. Maybe, well, I now I have a whole bunch of stuff under this one category. It could be a chapter of its own, or it could be a whole subsection of its own. I'm going to drag it all off and... And start a new subsection. Yeah, or maybe it's a different book and it just needs its own it needs its own project altogether. All these things are possible uh, with iThoughts HD and because the iPad is so easy to carry around, um this is excellent Starbucks fodder for me. If you ever find me in like a Pete's coffee and I'm not an OmniFocus, I'm probably in iThoughts HD. Those are like two of my favorite apps when I would just want to sit and think. And he's made it very easy for you to get information out of iThoughts HD. 
it, you know, you can export it as David was talking about in that OPML file, or there are a lot of other applications, a lot of very popular applications on the Mac and on the PC that it will just work directly with. Yeah. It, every time there's an update, it seems like he's adding a new application format that it's exporting to, I guess, anything that's got an open enough standard that he can write to it. And it's a mind mapping application. Craig supported. Right. I, and some people I understand even use this for um, tasks list, which wouldn't be something that we would use it for because we have other applications for that. But people who, you know, do use this for task list, he, you know, can export into uh, an Outlook task list format, or he's got support for creating task lists within my, uh, uh, I thoughts HD in here, or you can just print it to a PDF or export it to, you know, a standard file or send it to iBooks or Goodreader or whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, he's also got support in there for clip art. They've got little tiny icons you can attach to individual pieces of it. And frankly, I don't use any of that stuff. Um, yeah, I didn't think I, I like having some nice colors on the screen and you can use different colors for different branches. And sometimes that helps me think about things. But in general, for me, a mind map is a set of words and circles connected to each other. I don't use pictures for that. And uh, but that stuff is there if you want it. Um, the the sharing, you, you can uh, save your files to Dropbox, which is great. Uh, if I had a wish list, I would say, you know, iCloud Sync would be really kind of awesome. I think if we had iCloud Sync, it'd be a lot easier to work on this stuff, both on the iPhone and the iPad. And I appreciate how easy Dropbox syncing is, but iCloud syncing is so ridiculously simple. You just open it and it's there that I think I'd be more likely to open my phone and try and fiddle with a, a mind map if I was if I had that ability. So hopefully he'll go right. there someday. Um, I think it'd be great if you had a Mac version, but I don't think that's likely. Well, I think iCloud syncing would make a lot more sense if he had a Mac version. Well, even even just with the phone. From his, from his perspective, yeah, probably. But even with just the phone and the iPad, I think iCloud syncing would be pretty nice. And I, I think a lot of developers are still figuring it out. There was a really good article at Mac Stories just this week where they interviewed some developers. And you know, it's it's obvious that when they first rolled out iCloud, um, Apple didn't do a real good job of explaining how to build it into your app. And now developers are getting a little more savvy about how it works. I mean, for instance, with Byword, it actually gives you a separate dialog box that, to manage your iCloud documents. And I think it took them a while to figure out how to pull that off. And as that knowledge becomes more common, it wouldn't be that hard to see someone like uh, Craig drop that into an iOS only app. Right. Well, I think, you know, I'm as a non-developer, I'm extremely excited about WWDC this year because I think this could be a banner year for development. I'm I'm hoping they'll give these developers access to to better tools and more APIs especially for Siri and iCloud and and who knows what else. I I I still think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg with Mountain Lion. Yeah, when I bought iThoughts HD it was $10. I I think it's still that price. Um, I'll, I'll run my clicky clacky keyboard for a second and find out $10. Yeah. So it's still $10 and uh, just get it. If you're interested in this stuff, $10 isn't that bad. And, and you're on an iPad. I think you could find this could really change your game. Right. Well, David, why don't we take a break here and talk about our next sponsor gazelle. And then you can come back and tell us all about how your OPML tango works. How does that sound? Perfect. All right. Well, let's talk about Gazelle. So you probably maybe have just upgraded to a new iPad, or if you haven't, maybe you're seriously thinking about it because everybody else has one and you're thinking, hmm, that looks pretty cool and I want one too. And you're looking for a way to pay for that upgrade. Uh, I 
I think Gazelle is really the way. I have used Gazelle to sell my iPhones and my iPads in the past. And if there is one word that I can use to sum up Gazelle, it is really just effortless. You log on to Gazelle, you type in what you have, and they will give you a quote for it. You type in, is it in good condition? Is it in fair condition? Do you have any problems with it? And they'll give you a price. That price is locked in for 30 days. So if you're still thinking about it and you're not quite sure whether or not you want to sell or not, you can think on it, but go ahead and lock in your price because, you know, technology just declines in value over time. It's kind of like a car that you drive off the lot. It's never going to be worth more than it is right now. Uh, you mail it in. They'll send you a box. They'll pay for the shipping and they'll send you a check or PayPal or an Amazon gift card and you'll get up to 5% more. And Gazelle would love to buy your iPhones, iPads, iPods, MacBooks, uh, whatever you're no longer using. Just go to their website, type it in, and if they uh, can give you a price for it, they will. You know, it always cracks me up when I get around my geeky friends and they want to brag to me how they still got their old Palm Pilot or, you know, even an older iPhone that they're not using anymore. And You know what we call that at my house? What? Clutter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why do you want to keep this stuff? And I guess maybe there's a certain degree of bragging rights from keeping it, but I would rather turn it in for cold, hard cash so I can have more money to buy the next great thing that comes out. And, um, you know, you really don't need this old stuff and you can get something for it. Uh, it's kind of remarkable. I mean, you can even just get a box from them and, and put extra stuff in it when they send the box to you. And if it's got some value, they'll give it to you. If not, they'll uh, responsibly recycle it for you. Uh, uh, I think Gazelle's great. And and as I said in a prior show, I just have got to the fact that I've just got to the point where I'm done with Craigslist. I'm not going to meet people in strange places and have to haggle with them over my stuff. I would rather just get on Gazelle, find out how much I'm going to get for it, have them send me a box. The postage is there. You stick it in, you send it back, you get money. It's that simple. Yeah. And you know, those other services where they want to cut when you list it, a cut when you sell it, a cut when you get paid, a cut of this, a cut of that, a cut of this. There's none of that with Gazelle. The The price that they quote you is the price that they send you a check for. Now, unless of course that the device is not quite exactly what you said, the device is in better shape and they may offer you more. If it's not quite as good as you said it was, then they'll tell you and they'll offer you the option to either have them return the product to you or you can go ahead and take whatever their offer is. So uh, go ahead and go to their website over at gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com to find out what they buy. They buy iPhones. They'll take your iPhone 4. If you've got a 3GS, they'll take your iPad 1, your iPad 2, your MacBook Air, your iPod Touch. I, I do think that it's really the best way to sell this stuff. I mean, I, I am so tired of showing up for Craigslist meetings to find out the guy actually has $20 less cash than he promised on the phone and, you know, worrying about my life in the process. It's just, you know, get on Gazelle, get a good price and send it in. Yeah. The one thing we would ask is that you do click the link in our show notes or on our website to go to Gazelle, and that will let them know that you came to them through the Mac Power Users podcast. Let them know that their sponsorship of our show is working uh, and that you appreciate their support because we appreciate their support. So thank you to our friends at Gazelle uh, for supporting the show. All right, David, tell me all about this magical OPML format that's going to make my life easier. Yeah, I've been hinting at it throughout the show. So uh, we talked about mind maps and this OPML format. The point of it all is uh, OPML is an open XML format for outlines. So it's kind of like an, I guess, I don't want to say open source, but it is a, an open format that any developer can use. And it's a lingua franca for outlines. So that's 
the the background of it. But the fact is it's been expanded much more than just outlines. For instance, mind map applications are using it. So it, it gives you a way to create a, a file structure with hierarchical ordered lists and share those between applications. So to give an example, if I am working in my Node Pro on my Mac and I export that as an OPML file and then I go over and send it to Dropbox or put it on my iPad some other way, I can open that OPML file in iThoughts HD and it gives me the exact same data. So this gives me a way to share mind mapping data between different mind mapping applications. Um, it gets better though, because not only do mind mapping applications read this data, it also is read by outlining applications, including our favorite on the outliner. So once I'm done working in the mind map and at some point I will be, you know, I talk about cooking ideas at some point I will feel that I've got that mind map as good as it's going to get. And in that case, I export it from OPML and I thought HD, this is another thing that they do. That's just amazing is he has export to OPML and send to uh, Omni Outliner on the iPad built into the menu system. So you can, you can take an iThoughts HD mind map and with a couple taps, have it open as an outline format on your iPad. That is so awesome, I've, the way that it works. Yeah. Because you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a big outliner. I'm not even sure you're, you're sold. I'm not even sure you're using mind maps at this point. I am using okay. mind I have used mind maps. All right. So I'm going to use them more now, too. I promise. So, I can't wait till we start talking about outlines. So you could either go directly into the outline, or you could save it out as OPML and just email it to yourself and open it in Omni Outliner on your Mac. Which is the way I probably do it most of the time, frankly, because I really like Omni Outliner on my Mac. Uh, so OPML is the, is the secret sauce that allows you to go between these applications. And not only do mind maps and outlining applications read OPML, Scrivener, you know, our beloved word processor on the Mac does, and Writing Kit, which is a great iOS text editor. I mean, there are increasing number of these writing apps that also can open OPML which allows you to structure your projects. So it's just a great way to move the structure of these ideas between various platforms and software packages. Now, you've talked about this process before on one of our shows, but it might be worth going through again just because it gives us a complete overview. Do you want to talk about how you did this when you were writing your books? I, I do it all the time. Any major project I use, it starts out as a mind map. And then that OPML gets sent over to an outliner, uh, in my case, Omni Outliner. And I find when I look at this stuff, even though I've been cooking this idea for weeks, when I put it into an outliner, then I think a different part of my brain gets engaged. And I see new connections or I see new things that don't make sense to me. And it, I continue to modify it and, and refine it there. Do you find that maybe you add, because I have started using mind mapping, but I find that I... <laughs> Uh, one of my professors used to use the term big rocks. I find that I use put big rocks in with my mind mapping, meaning I get big ideas or big topics in with the mind map. But then when I switch it over into the outline format, that's really where I start refining and seeing where I'm missing the gaps and where I'm filling in the details. And my, my outline gets much more detailed than my mind map. I don't know. Um, if you spend enough time doing mind mapping or outlining, you're always going to get the big rocks. I mean, if you just do, are doing the big rocks in a mind map, you might as well just work in an outline because you're not going to miss the big rocks. For me, the mind map advantage is the connections, seeing how things tie together. And sometimes 
being able to see that something that fits in one point of an outline may fit in a different point of an outline. I don't find I can make that connection when I'm looking at a, a linear outline, but I do make that connection looking at a mind map. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I think they're very, they're very different tools. And I, I believe in my case, at least, and this may be a part that, you know, a function of the fact that I'm partly insane, but different parts of my brain just look at a problem from a different element and, or a different direction. And by forcing myself to look at it visually in these two very different ways um, allows me to get more, you know, to make more connections and to make a better product in the end. And then after the outline that goes out in OPML format as well and into Scrivener, correct? Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't happen in one bounce. Sometimes I'll work in the mind map and then I'll go in the outline and I'll find that there's just some piece of it that I completely missed. And I want the benefit of kind of the mind map analysis of that piece. And I will take the OPML and go back to iThoughts HD or back to MindNote and look at it there again. And I'll cook it some more and then it will go back. Sometimes it'll bounce a few times, but at some point I'll be done. And usually the last when I'm done, it's in an outline format. And, and at that point, then I take the OPML and I send it off to a Scrivener project. Or if it's a smaller project, and if it's a, in the case of a writing project, I guess that's the best context for this. If it's a smaller project, I may just take the text of it. You know, you can export a text outline out of Omni Outliner. Sure. And I will just take that text and drop it into Byword and start writing. It just depends on how big the project is. For a book, obviously, it's going into Scrivener. For a thousand word article, it's probably just going straight into Byword. Right. Okay. But but let's talk a little bit about outlining because you know we Yay! we you know we we we've covered how you're using it, but we haven't really covered the outlining tools. Well, I, I've used outlining in a variety of complex uh, contents. I mean, just about every meeting I'm in, when I come out of that meeting, my notes from that meeting are in an outline. I've been, I've been using the iPad more in that context, but I still find, and it, it's probably a function of, of my, my personal practice and in, in my professional life being a little less friendly to technology than probably yours is. Um, I, I still deal with a lot of analog people in my work life. A lot of what I do is, is on pen and paper and I always come out on pen and paper, you know, with an outline. And then sometimes that will get transferred uh, into a, an electronic outline because I just don't function well with lots of piece of paper around here. Sometimes it'll just get scanned into the file and you know, sometimes it will get converted into a different outline if it's something that I need to work work on. But just about every meeting I have with every client or every conference that I go to, usually with a conference, it starts it starts in digital form because I'll I'll take my iPad or my Mac around. But um, for me, it all starts in in usually in outlining. Very rarely does it start in mind mapping unless it's a it's a major project for me. So you take out, outline notes on paper. That's interesting. Um, ma- mainly in the client setting, maybe, you know, if I'm sitting in a conference room or sitting across a desk talking to a client, uh, usually it starts on paper. Now, if I'm by myself, it's almost always electronic. Yep. Or if I'm, I'm in a conference where I can type on a laptop or on my iPad, it's electronic. But I still find in my practice, a lot of people are very intimidated by having that technology between me and them. Okay, let's uh, let's put on the list. We're going to do a show on meetings because I've got a lot of thoughts on that, but we're already an hour into the show. So uh, okay. we're going to do a show on meetings. If you've got meetings ideas, send them in. Um, okay, but getting back to outlining, 
the um the, I think the major apps are are Omni Outline. Well, the major app is Omni Outliner. I mean, yes. how long have they been on the Mac? I mean, that was one of the first apps I think I bought for my Mac. I'm not sure when you know when I switched back. The uh, but it's just a, it's a great app. I mean, so there there's a standard version is $40, there's a pro version is $70 and and they you know, the full disclosure they're a sponsor of the show. But but they we should say they are a sponsor of the show because they are our favorite outliner. Yeah, it's just an amazing application and it does a lot of really good stuff. Like iThoughts HD on the iPad. It's very intuitive. Like, did you know when you're creating entries on an outline, sometimes you're creating an entry and you think, oh, I wanted to add something above this point. And, you know, traditionally you'd move the cursor and you'd hit enter and you do all these crazy things to try and create an additional entry above. And on Omni Outliner, all you do is you hit shift enter. If you're on a right. line, hit shift enter, and then you've got a blank line above. Or if you want, if you're on a line and you want to add, make it a multi-line entry, option enter. It's just a just a new line entry. I mean, there's all these little things that they've built into it over the years that just make it very fluid. And you know, the whole point of this stuff is that when you're writing these ideas, you're really putting your brain on fiddle tilt. You're running all your own cores, right? <laughs> you know, you're trying to come up with ideas and figure out ways to do this stuff. And your software at that point should be a non-entity. You should not be pro- you should not be devoting any of your own personal clock cycles to how do I add a new line here. It should just happen. And with things like iThoughts HD and on the Outliner, it does. So it's it's really great. And uh, you can drag and move, and you can do all the things you can tra- do with a traditional Outliner. But it just it's a very powerful tool uh, on the Outliner. And then when you're done, um, you can do some really nice formatting with it. Like they have the utility drawer. And Omni Outliner. Uh, do you ever use that, Katie? All the time. Yeah. So you open the utility drawer and you say, "I want to highlight all of the Section One entries." In fact, while I was writing the outline for this show, I realized that we've got real sloppy with the outline format of our show, right? Yeah, I wondered why they were blue. Yeah. So I went through and I applied all the solarized coloring and a, and a better, more readable font, and I did all of that just in the utility drawer. I mean, just spend a few minutes in there, and you can make an outline look much better. And even if it's just for your own use and nobody else is going to see it, why not make it look nice uh, for yourself? Uh, very simple to do that stuff in Omni Outliner. And the other thing about Omni Outliner that I really love is the way you can export in so many different formats. You can export it as text. as You can make a Word document. You can export it as a keynote file, which is pretty awesome if you're making a rough outline for a keynote. Um, uh, I do that all the time. And a couple tips for that are you all make a, every new slide is a level one entry. So if you make like two level one entries with a bunch of sub entries under that, you're going to have two slides with a lot of text on them. Right. So be careful because you don't want a lot of text on a keynote. And, and, you know, I don't even use, I rarely use text in my slides anyway, but I will just make a level one entry and put underneath it the name of a picture I want to use or something. And that just gives me a starting point to get the thing going. So that's really neat. Um, Export formats. Um, and on a different topic, do you do you write a lot of notes for your slides? Do you use that pre- uh, presenter mode, or do you just and do you do that nominee outliner when you are making these, or do you just figure out what you're going to say and memorize? It? I, you know, I um we did a show on uh, keynote and presentation stuff, and for me, the answer to all the stuff is just insane amounts of practice with the presentation. I go through it right. and do it so many times. That by the time I give it, there is no need at all to have any presenter notes. 
But if there's like one joke I want to not forget or something, I may just write the word like bananas, you know, underneath just so I'd remember not to do that or remember to do it. Uh, but I don't really extensively use prisoner notes. I mean, I do not want to be catch myself sit there and reading those things. I think it's almost like uh, kryptonite. You know, if you if you put it near, you are going to be in trouble because you're going right. to ultimately start. You're going to sit there and read it, yeah. right? Um, but you know, but so Omni Outliner really is, in my opinion, the premier app. I I didn't want to seem like this show is like you know hooked on Omni Outliner because they are a sponsor. Blah blah blah. So I went through the app store. And took a good look at some of the alternative outliners out there for for the Mac, and frankly, none of them really looked that good to me. The the one that did look interesting though is this one Tree. It's called Tree, and uh, they do something a little different than Omni Outliner. It's a horizontal outliner where when you have an entry, it like shoots a line across and then drops them down. So all you see like so it's almost like columns of entries. If that makes sense. I would reckon I'll put it in the show notes. Go check it out. It's fifteen dollars. Um, it, it's not as full features as Omni Outliner, and frankly, if you're going to use an outliner, I would probably get Omni Outliner. But if you want to try something different, this would be one to take a look at. And you know, it's just worth mentioning. You can also do outlines in Word and Pages. I mean, I got through law school doing all of my outlines in Microsoft Word. Yeah, and I just don't think it's worth the trouble. I mean, if you're serious about this stuff, get a good tool. I mean. That you just word and pages cannot hold a candle to Omni Outliner for outlining stuff. They don't have all those export features. They don't have the quick entry features. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. We need to mention them, but if you're, if you really want to cook ideas, if you really want to get the most out of this stuff, get yourself the right tool. What about outlining on the iPad? Because that's, I think, as much as. Outlining, or as much as mind mapping on the iPad has been a game changer for you, I think outlining on the iPad has been a big boon for me. Okay, so explain that a little bit. Well, because it means, again, no matter, it's it's just a matter of convenience, really. It, It means no matter where I am, I can reach out and pick up my iPad and have access to outlines that I have in progress and start working on them. You know, if I wake up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. and I have a flash of brilliance, I can just go at it and I can very quickly put down on my iPad, you know, a a stream of consciousness ideas and outlines that are running through my head and then put the iPad back on the nightstand, roll over and go to bed. What I would do with iThoughts HD. And that just kind of demonstrates how you and I look at this differently. Because I I wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to me to do that. And on the outliner has an iPad version, but I would, I would be working on that stuff in iThoughts HD. I don't use Omni Outliner on the iPad as much as I use Omni Outliner on the Mac. Um, but I think that's about to change. Um, you know, at Macworld, uh, Omni made public their intentions of their Omni Sync services. And I did write an article about this at Mac Sparky. It's kind of known on the web. So uh, Omni Group had a problem with the idea that they've got these great apps on both the iPad and the Mac. And they wanted to be able, for people to be able to sync their files across them. They weren't that interested in using a Dropbox type solution where the user has to go find the folder and, and, you know, go through all the steps necessary. And I think the main reason for that is probably customer support. While a lot of us, us uh, geeks would figure that out very easily. A lot of other people wouldn't. Sure. Um, I think they're going to embrace iCloud. I, I know they intend to, but I think they also like the idea of having kind of a soup to net solution in their own house. 
And so OmniSync Services is going to support this, uh, syncing your outlines between your Mac and your iPad. So so OmniSync Services is going to support syncing between your Mac and your iPad. So just like iCloud, uh, when you start working on an outline on the Mac, it's going to show up on your on your outliner. And so when you wake up in the middle of the night and tap something into your Omni outliner on your iPad and then in the morning, it's going to be on your Mac. This is great. And since Omni is going to support it, if you have a problem, the company that makes the software and the company that provides the sync service is all the same phone number. So just call a ninja. Yeah. And they're and so they have control over it and the ability to fix it. I mean, I think one of the things they were worried about was, you know, iCloud is great, but you know, that's controlled by Apple. And if there's a problem, with the syncing, the customer is going to be upset with Omni, right? <laughs> you know, because they're the ones who make the software. So Omni wanted to give a solution where they could they could fix the, have the ability to fix the problem. Um, it's not out yet for Omni Outliner, but I know it's expected by the end of this year. And when that happens, I suspect I will be using iPad Omni Outliner a lot more in this in this kind of idea cooking format. Right. So yeah, there's something for everybody. Yeah, I think it. I think it. A lot of it depends on whether you're more of a right brain or a left brain type of person. Yeah, and I'm trying to be more creative, data, David. I'm really am. <laughs> I just called you data, didn't I? <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Was it? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that there is any right way to do this stuff. And my point in the show was just to lay it out there how I do it, and it really is working for me. And in fact, I feel like I'm almost in a better place with this stuff now than I've ever been before. And I attribute it really to, to developing this idea of these mind maps that are constantly uh, iterating on my iPad. And it really is, that's the first step. And it makes me feel so confident when I'm finally done with this thing and I'm, I'm ready to start writing on it, whether it's a legal brief or an article, or like I said, just dealing with a person, um, I've I've given it a lot of thought and I've kind of thought through all the angles of it and this stuff makes makes me better at the stuff I do and uh Yeah, you've got all the legwork done. Yeah. So, uh if you've got ideas on this stuff, let us know. If this helps you, let us know. Well, we've got quite a bit of feedback, but before we get there, let's talk about our last sponsor for this show and that is 1Password. And, you know, David, we're always talking about the virtues of 1Password, about how it allows you to create strong and unique passwords across all of your sites, across all of your devices. And the beauty of it is with Dropbox, it allows you to sync everything everywhere, so it's always where you need it. And it works on your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad, your Android devices, just about everything, you name it, they support it. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of questions because there's been some concern recently about what's going on. There's some people who have some security concerns about Dropbox. And since Dropbox is the mechanism that 1Password uses to sync their data, do we have any concerns about how secure our 1Password data is? And I've got a couple of emails about it. I think you have too. And there's no better place to turn to answers for things like this than the 1Password folks who, as always, and if you don't subscribe to their blog, you should probably throw that in their RSS feed because they've got some wickedly smart and pretty funny people working over at 1Password that post over to their blog. Uh, they have released a new version of 1Password for iOS, version 3.6.5, that addresses some of these issues. And they've also got some great blog posts on the subject that tells us while, yes, there may be some issues with Dropbox, really not an issue even if somebody does get access to your to your 1Password data file on Dropbox. So there's no need to fear. Yeah, they've got 
some very high tech uh, security. Um, now this PBKDF2 iterations, ten thousand different iterations to protect the encryption key. Now I wish I could say with authority what that means, but uh, <laughs> it basically means that if someone gets your iPhone and you know runs one of those brute force you know cracking attempts on it, that it's it's going to take them much longer than they will be alive probably to to crack it. Yes, and the point is, uh, and just to tell you from my own standpoint, I use the one password. Um, Sinking through Dropbox every day, and I don't have any worries about my data. Right. Uh, the other thing that One Password has done with this version um, is they have moved the Dropbox authentication token, and they have stored that in uh, their keychain, so that even if this data is copied and used to another device, um, which would normally grant access to a a, a, one, a Dropbox account, um, they've fixed that so it's now stored in the the keychain. So. Even if somebody could get access to your one password keychain on Dropbox, you still don't really have to worry because it's going to take them forever to crack your master password. Uh, we've just gone through this very tip of the iceberg. Um, I would we'll put links in the show notes to um, their their blog posts where they detail both the security enhancements in version three point six point five, as well as a very lengthy blog post where they talk about this issue with, I think it's open authentication and Dropbox. And exactly how that impacts your one password data. Uh, and if you have any concerns about that, I would encourage you to check it out. But the bottom line is, as David said, uh, like he, I have a lot of my information, all of my information really in one password and I sleep just fine at night. So you can get one password for the Mac app store for forty nine ninety nine. Um, there is a bundle for Mac and windows for sixty nine ninety nine. You know, I've been telling a lot of windows users about one password lately because a lot of them have these iPads and they don't have a good password solution. And it's kind of funny. They uh, they end up getting one password on the iPad, and they they say, man, I really wish I could get this stuff on my Windows computer. And I say, well, today's your lucky day, because they do have a Windows version. Um, yeah, I've gotten a few people at work who don't even have Macs. All they use is one password on the Windows side. That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you can get it for... Both the iPad and iPhone with the uh, One Password Pro, which is fourteen ninety nine in the uh, iOS App Store, uh, you can get a regular version for either the iPad or the iPhone for nine ninety nine. And if you get it through our site, you get twenty percent off, and that is always good. Yeah, anything that you can purchase through the Agile Bit Store, using the if you click on the little link on our site. Oh yeah, and they updated it for the Retina display, so it's really pretty now too. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. Just such a great app. Yeah. I'm so pleased to have them as a sponsor and thank them for their support. Right. All right, so we got quite a bit of feedback. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Um, yeah. The um, we got an email in from Michael, and uh, we had talked in the. In the show last show about Hazel, about he had created the script to touch the files, mm-hmm. and um, and the reason he did is because when unzipping a downloaded file or folder, generally the date modified of the contents is set to the original date of the file. Yeah. So uh, when it was added to the zip, not the date you unzipped it. So when he mm. views them, then he touches them, and that resets that date, which makes perfect sense. I didn't understand why I did it during the show. Now I do. Thanks, Michael. Okay, got it. 
And uh, Maurice wrote in to talk about my uh, Hazel tool for moving files back and forth between my MacBook Air and my Mac Mini. And I mentioned that I use it in lieu of using the AirDrop feature. And he wanted to let me know that AirDrop can be used over Ethernet uh, because by default it's set up that it can only be used over a Wi-Fi network. And I actually have the Wi-Fi disabled on my Mini because it's you know plugged in hardwired. Um, and I did know that. There, there is a terminal command uh, that you can you can type in, and if you just Google for it, you'll find it. I think Macworld did an article for it um, that you can use AirDrop over Ethernet. The problem is, is that you still have to go in, accept, and you know pop open you know AirDrop on the network. So it's just much easier to send files with Dropbox because otherwise I've got to you know open up sharing and accept the accept the file transfer and and things like that. So. I, Yes, you can do it. The Dropbox method for me is is just easier. And um, he also mentioned that if you send files to the MacBook Air and the Mac Mini, that they just go over the LAN. And he seemed to think that that was not 100% accurate, that Dropbox will send the file first to its server and then over the LAN. And I'm not sure that it's sending the entire file. I think it's just sending information that it has the file because I think these these file transfers are, are too fast for it to be submitting the infi- entire file up to Dropbox Okay, and then transfer okay, the file I'll over. Wait, I'll wait in with no knowledge or research on this one. I think okay. if you have already uploaded it at least once to Dropbox, it'll happen fast. If it has never been right. uploaded to Dropbox, it will happen slow. Okay. But I'd have to test that. Um, we heard uh, several notes and emails from listeners about more Hazel trickery. Um, some people said we didn't talk enough about how Hazel can use that app sweep feature when you delete an app. And uh, they're probably right. And how Hazel can automatically clean the trash for you. We got really hung up on the the really special magic of Hazel last time. I think we should have probably give more time to that. If those things interest you, go check it out with Hazel. But the the coolest trick was from Mark Cohen, who said uh, if you go into the the preference pane for Hazel and you double tap the little Hazel duster, magic happens. I'm not going to tell you what. Just go try it. Hmm. Okay. Are you doing it right now? I get the impression you are. I'm sorry. Yes. Am I distracted? Okay. <laughs> never mind. Uh, we had someone write in and we were talking about uh, our concern with, you know, certain files or certain applications create very large backup files. And you know, do we want to set up a Hazel rule for them to not back up quite so large? And someone put a comment in and said, why don't you just instead set the backup location to be the trash? If you don't empty your trash all the fine, you, all the time, you still have a backup. And then when your trash gets emptied, the backup files go away. That made me very, very nervous. Um, I don't think the idea of backing up to the trash is a good idea at all. Because I don't know about you, David, but maybe again, my my whole OCD thing kicking in. If I see something in that trash can, I'm, I'm emptying the trash. I don't even look. Just empty the trash, empty the trash, empty the trash. To me, if it goes in the trash, the trash is not a holding place. Well, I don't, that's just asking for trouble. I don't think it was necessarily a, a a a bad idea. I'm not sure what word I was looking for there, but for me, I wouldn't want that because then it would cause me to pause every time I looked at the trash can and say, "Well, what's the stuff in there that I may want to keep?" I mean, to me, I want to think of the trash can as trash. When I see it, uh, without question, I can delete it. And right. if I start using it as some kind of um, storage system. I, I think that's a bad idea. I guess I do think it's a bad idea. Um, the uh, the other thing is, you know, we're using the Hazel rule we talked about. It's easy enough to have those those folders cleaned out for you anyway, so you don't need to go. You don't need to go there. 
Yeah, I think that solves it. Um, the uh, we heard from a couple people when I'm, I, you know, I just kind of shot my mouth off about iClear, and I said I think it's alcohol based because it evaporates so quickly. I thought it was, and of course it's not. And a couple people corrected me on that. Thanks. Um, iClear is a great product. I I use it so, and you can get it at the Apple Store. So I figure it's got to be probably the the best one for the solution if Apple's willing to sell it themselves. Right. Tim wrote in with a couple of comments about uh, email archiving with a couple of other alternatives, including Eagle Filer, which I believe is made by the same guy that makes um, one of our favorite products, Spamsys. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, and then Devon Think Pro Office also supports email archiving for mail. And so there's more beyond um, Mail Steward that we were talking about. So there are other things that you can check out. Yeah, I really liked uh, this discussion that arose out of my my offhand comment about dishwashing your keyboard. Oh dear. We got a whole bunch of email from people that do it. <laughs> and I mean, some people were talking about how they used to wash old IBM keyboards. We got a message from one person who said uh, she uh, did it with a, uh, someone poured a can of Coke on the keyboard and washed it in the dishwasher and it worked fine. Uh, obviously you got to let it dry out. Uh, I am not recommending you do it, but apparently there are a group of people out there that are successfully doing this. I did link in the last show um, the, I think it was the Cult of Mac article about it. So just go back in that show, uh, 81, if you want to see the details. But I thought it was kind of interesting that we have several listeners that do dishwash their keyboards. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, lastly, I think John wrote in and took our advice and ran Daisy Disk to see what he could find in his Mac that could be cleared out. And he found a folder called File Sync that had over 18 gigabytes worth of space in it. And he wanted to know, can I delete it? Um, I would be careful with that. I, I did some Googling and it seems that that's a common problem and that File Sync is typically the file that is storing. Uh, your iDisk syncing. So if you've ever at some point turned on iDisk syncing and told it to keep a local copy of your iDisk, that's probably where that is. Now, there was a bug in a couple of previous versions of the OS that would cause that to grow much larger than it actually was. Um, so that might be your your problem with file sync, and it does some other stuff too. So I would, um, I, I would do a little more investigation before you just delete it and maybe try turning off iDisk syncing and and restarting it all and seeing if you can slim it back down before you just delete it altogether. Also, if you are moving over to iCloud, um, that iDisk syncing is going to be going away soon. Yeah, so, I've, I turned mine off and got rid of all my stuff on my iDisk. So you may be okay, but it depends where you are in that transition. And that may be something, if you have moved over to iCloud and you still have that file, that's an anomaly. I don't think that should be there. And uh I'm not sure I'd delete it. Maybe I'd make a copy of it before I deleted it. Or if you're really worried, I'd go in and make an appointment at Genius Bar and have them take a look at it for you. All right. I think that's going to about wrap us up. Yeah. I enjoyed this show. I hope uh, the listeners got something out of it. I'm I'm really excited about these cooking ideas theories. And uh, I'd love to hear how other people are using this stuff as well. Because I think in this case, technology can truly make a better product for us. I agree. So if you want to get a hold of us, uh, go ahead and look us up at MacPowerUsers.com or uh, at 5 by 5 It's 5 by 5tv slash MPU. Yeah. You can also email us. That's at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can send a note to us on Twitter at MacPowerUsers. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. 
Yeah. And you know, David, I haven't done this in a while, and I just want to take a little side note and say uh, thank you to there there are a good number of people every month who uh donate to us through our website and you know they send us a little contribution every month and I I haven't mentioned them and I just wanted to take a moment to say to those of you who do thank you very much because that helps and and we appreciate it and we appreciate all of your support. And if you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can do that through iTunes comments as well. Yes, thank you. We really do appreciate all of that support. And also thanks to the sponsors for the show, Byword with their excellent new iOS app, uh, Gazelle, which is the best way to sell your old technology, and of course, 1Password, which keeps everything safe and secure. All right, well, we should be back next week with another workflow show, and uh, we'll see you then.